all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. We're excited that you're here with us, and uh, we're going to get right into the Word. You know we're in a series called Through the Valley. Before we even get to the message today, just take your prophetic step. Just do your step. Shh. Just, just do it one more again. Just one more again. Just uh, yep, stepping up out of the valley. T- today's valley, though, look at somebody. Just say, today's, though. Ooh-wee. Today, just, just look at somebody else. Just ooh-wee is this thing we do in the South. Don't worry about it. I'll teach it to you in a minute. Just, just, just look at what one person say. Today's though. Today's though. Woo! And, and you, I hope you like your neighbor because you're going to talk to him at least 10 more times today. So if you don't, this would be a good time to go ahead and switch to somebody that you do like. But, but, but just get, a, get you another one. Get you another one. Just say, neighbor, today's valley. Cold-blooded. Cold-blooded. This one today. You said, Bishop Howell, uh, lift your Bibles. You'll see in just a moment. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message Here's the ooey. Go to Jonah. Go, go to Jonah. Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. It's a short, short passage. Jonah, who is regarded as one of the minor prophets, not because his impact was necessarily minor, just the volume of what he recorded and what's recorded in his narrative in his book is very uh, insignificant in terms of its volume to the other prophets. So. That's why we call him a minor prophet. But, but this one today is going to hit all of us. And if, and, if it, and if it doesn't, then you need to still let it hit you because that means you're a liar. So, so either way, it's going to get you. Test your neighbor and say, ooh-wee. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be good for us. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. I love it because look at what it says. It says, now the Lord. 
Now, y'all are taught well, so you know Lord here isn't just regular Lord. It's all caps, which means it is God's covenant name, his actual name. So that means the Lord did this personally. He didn't send no angel. He, he, he didn't send no messenger. He didn't send, no, no, God said, I'm stepping out of heaven personally to deal with this. yad heh literally, when it's all caps like that. Now, the Lord personally had prepared a big old fish. Y'all don't speak English here? Uh, uh, a great fish to swallow Jonah, <laughs> to envelop Jonah, <laughs> to, 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 to overwhelm Jonah, <laughs> to consume Jonah, to, to mess up everything Jonah thought that he knew. He, he said, and, and the Lord personally prepared this one. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish. For three days and for three nights. Father, you're going to speak to us today. And I just believe I'm in a church full of people that have been through enough hell and too much of it to play games with you today. I just believe that I'm preaching to some people that say, Lord, we want to take our prophetic step out. And so, Lord, whatever you got to do to get us to understand how to come out of this valley, speak it to us today. I, I just believe I'm in a church full of people that are hungry for the word. I just believe that I'm in a church full of people that say this valley, this, this one here, this is one that I want out of and I want out of it right now. So speak to us today in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five, two or three people, tell them, say the valley of the big fish. The valley of the big fish. Ah, I like this one here. It, uh, often the Bible gives us the pedigree of people so that we can understand where they come from and how they think so we can understand where they are and why they're there. So today we are going to take a scalpel, if you will, uh, to the narrative titled Jonah. Say Jonah. Now, you know I like to give you uh, the Hebrew and Greek words so that you have a good understanding of the background from which these individuals come because as we look in the English, we don't see the totality of the, what was communicated in the original text. So watch this. Stay with me. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with him. Because I'm going to give you a lot of definitions real quick, but it's important for you to get them. Jonah literally means dove. Dove is imagery for spirit. Uh, spirit uh, in the Hebrew is the word ruach, which in its most rudimentary or elementary form means a mindset. So check this out. Jonah is a mindset. You still with me? Now, Jonah is from a city called, watch this, Gath-Hefer. Say it with me. Gath-Hefer. It literally means when Jerome, uh, one of the uh, individuals in antiquity, when he wrote about the city that Jonah was from, it literally means the city of a narrow wine press. Uh, uh, it was considered an inconsiderable village. It wasn't a big place. In other words, he was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Okay, uh, maybe you'll get this. In other words, he was born in a place where nobody was voted most likely to succeed because nobody succeeded from that place. I wish I had a church here. So he's a mindset from a place never seeing anybody do anything great are you still with me but then he is called the son of Amittai Amittai is his father and Amittai is interesting because it means my truth so, so follow the narrative he's a mindset from a place he's never seen anybody do anything great so he's now developed his own truth God I wish I had a church here now if y'all ain't gonna say nothing I'll sit down because I I'm going to give you all this revelation and you ain't saying nothing to me. So, so check this out. Just say my truth. But watch this. His own truth. Watch, watch this. Not the truth. Not God's truth. 
but his own truth. Please understand, you, 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 you're saying, Bishop, I'm not getting it. I, I, let me make it very plain for you. It's dangerous when you develop your own truth because your own truth is based on what you want to see when you want to see it, how you want to see it, but your truth is not the truth. Let me prove it to you. Some of you, because your truth is that you're always a victim, every time you get around people, you make yourself the victim in the situation. Now, the truth is you ain't the victim, but your truth has made you the victim. Y'all don't get it yet? The truth is some of you think never, nothing's ever going to work out for you. So even when God is moving on your behalf and even when he's favoring you and giving you opportunities that you clearly don't deserve and giving you opportunities that are clearly above your pay grade and giving you opportunities that are clearly above your pedigree because of your truth, you will miss the truth, which is that even though you don't have a perfect past, he's still doing some good for you. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Preach to myself, Bishop. Touch your neighbor and say, your truth is dangerous. See, your truth can have you right smack dab in the middle of the most blessed time of your life and you're sitting up cursing at it and you're sitting up mad at it not understanding that what God has done for you is exceedingly and it is abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But your crazy truth is what's getting you screwed up, messed up, and jacked up. Your truth is what made you run from that great opportunity because you told yourself you weren't good enough. You fool, shut your mouth. It was your truth that made you ruin that relationship because you kept thinking any minute they're walking out on me. So what you did is becoming a self-fulfilling prophet. You prophesied it through your actions and then God made it come to pass. Shut your mouth, touch your neighbor and say, your truth is dangerous. He's a man who thinks he knows what he does not know. He's a man who says, well, before you get me, I'm going to get you. Because he's got his own truth. He's a man who says, well, I used to do that church thing, but, you know, it, it just, I don't know. I just don't know if I can do that no more. You fool. You got your own truth. You got your own truth because you had one bad experience with one idiot, and now you've judged the whole world based on a stupid head. Touch your neighbor say, your truth is dangerous. He's the son of his own truth. Not the truth, not God's truth, but his own. And here's the thing. Pride causes us to develop our own truth irrespective of what the truth is. Because your truth has a jaded perspective. That makes you turn on those that are for you and embrace those that want to destroy you. I could never figure out why it is that folk who say they love Jesus treat Judas better than Jesus. I could never figure out how when you found out you're dealing with a backstabber, you just turn around and say, hit the back, go. Pride, watch this, will cause you to lie about what you know to be the truth in order to fit your truth. That's why the scripture says, and now the time was coming when they that would worship the Father would worship him in spirit and truth. And people say, that just means we got to be real with the Lord. But what I found out is most folk ain't real with the Lord because you're trying to play him like he don't know what's going on in you anyhow. And you've convinced your neighbor that you got it all together. And you, and you maybe even think you convinced the preacher that you got it all together. But God's looking at you and saying, what you don't understand is I love you in spite of you. And what you don't understand is I love you with your issues. So I wish when you lifted your hands, you weren't lifting them, acting like you got it all together. But I wish you lift them saying, God, I know I got some issues. And I'm just so glad that I got a God that loves me.
loves me in spite of my issues. And I'm just so glad I got a church where I ain't got to wear no disguise. And I ain't got to wear no... Pride will cause you to lie about the truth in order to fit your truth. Let me prove to you, you got stuff in your closet that's your truth. That the truth is, you ain't been able to wear that. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me? Y'all better say something. It's first Sunday. I'm feeling a little... The truth is, you know you need to apologize. Your truth is, well, I just don't know that I really did nothing that really needs all of that. Your truth is getting ready to write you a check that your life can't cash. And it did for Jonah. Jonah was the son of his own thinking, which is dangerous because where's your thinking got you? Being a son of your truth is the reason why bad relationships last. It's the reason why dishonor is tolerated. It's the reason people make horrible decisions that they have to spend the rest of their lives paying for. Do you know that one bad decision on the wrong day, you will pay for the rest of your life? Conversely, one right decision on the right day can become the greatest blessing that you've ever experienced in your life. We look at the life of Jesus who spent 33 and a half years or so on the earth, three and a half years of public ministry. And as Jesus is doing what he is doing, uh, it, it was a moment that got him to Calvary. This is what he mean. He was in the garden praying and he said, he's talking to himself. He says, uh, you don't really want to do this because, <laughs> you know, I'm sure the humanity of him was saying, these people are so ungrateful. They're just ungrateful bastards. That's not cussing. Bastard means fatherless child. <laughs> and after what you said this week, I'll dare you even think to try to consider what I... <laughs> and that's why we got some footage. No, I'm just... I got footage from around your table. I got footage from when that one relative got up and walked away and you said to the other one, what in the world are they talking about? I, I got footage. Here's the deal. I'm sure Jesus, as he's there, he's like, this is going to hurt. It's going to be painful. You have to become the antithesis of everything you are. You're holy and distinct and pure and righteous. And you got to become funky and stanky and nasty for some people that will halfway serve you later. So I'm sure his humanity, I'm just, I'm just because that was humanity. Because, you know, that's human. So we think that way too, you know. So his humanity, I'm sure was like that. But in one moment he said, Fine. Nevertheless, I realize that there's, there's, while it seems that I have options for somebody who's got the hand of God on their life, you really don't. Can I submit to you that uh, if you always have a plan B, you won't succeed at plan A? If you always got a way out, you'll always never maximize the way you should maximize because you're always looking for the exit strategy. And that's why some of you say nothing ever succeeds. You know why? Because God says, you thought you were playing me, sucker. I knew you had options. See, I don't know about you, but I got to the point where I'm like the apostles. Lord, if I don't serve you, I really don't know what else I would do. 
See, I wish I had a church full of folk like that. God, I don't know what else to do if you forsake me and if you leave me. I don't know what else I would even do. It was one moment where he said, nevertheless, say one moment. So, so, so check this out, check this out, check this out, check this out, check this out. Uh, it's one moment that can either be a great decision or one moment that can be a horrible decision. And it's in that one moment that you can spend the rest of your life paying for that one moment. Can I tell you a story real quick, real, real, real quick, because, you know, real quick, first Sunday, watch this. Uh, when I was a little kid, I remember um, that uh, I had this situation where a relative had gotten a little drum machine, a little drum pad machine, not the newfangled stuff where you can push a button and it plays music. No, you had to actually hit the pads, you know. <laughs> and they got in there, and it was... And it was a big deal, I mean, because it was the latest cutting edge of technology and music at the time. Because up until that point, all you had were real drums. <laughs> up until that point, you know, not what we got now where you, you know, you, no, no, it was real music. Anybody know something about real music? <laughs> where you can hear the musicians in the back really playing the music. What, what no, what no hi-hat like that. It was a real hi-hat and... Y'all don't know nothing about, I forgot I'm in Denver. Y'all don't know nothing about that, excuse me. And so uh, they, had, uh, they had this little machine. It was the cutting edge of technology. I mean, it was like, the only, you know, it was, it was the big deal. And I can remember um, that uh, they said, come on in here and play the machine. Come on in here and play the machine. And uh, I can remember saying to myself, well, you know, uh, no. Now, I've always been a take charge kind of guy. Leaders lead. <laughs> That's what we do. So I've always done that. Just since I was a little kid, I mean, little baby, I, I came out the womb with a Bible, a mic, and a briefcase. <laughs> and I came out the womb telling the doctors, uh-uh, stand over there, and you go over here, and why I got all this blood on me? Wash me off. What are y'all doing? Get this together. <laughs> Ain't no excellence in this room. <laughs> <You know? laughs> At least that's what I like to think. And so there was this drum machine. And so they said, everybody, come on, come on, play. Come on, come on, play. Come on, come on. And I didn't play it. And, uh, and you said, Bishop, what does this have to do? Because, say one moment. One say one moment. one moment. Because in this one moment, my truth, watch this, said to me, you might not be good enough at playing the drum machine. And my truth said to me, I don't want to be embarrassed. Now, you may say, Bishop, that's just a drum machine. Here, here's what I want you to get. Out of all the great things God has allowed me to do, to this day, I still vividly remember being in Westwood right outside of Memphis, not playing that drum machine. I've laid hands and cancer has gone. We've cast out devils. We've done this. We've done that. From scratch, we've built a church in a place where you shouldn't be able to do it. I've seen God do incredible things. Say incredible. I, but out of all the things I've seen him do, I still remember not taking advantage of my moment. I can buy a million and two drum machines. I can buy drummers and put them up and make them play drums all day until I don't want to hear no more drumming. But the reality is, is that I still remember y'all not playing the drum machine because my truth told me I wasn't good enough at it and my truth told me I don't want to be embarrassed truthfully by people who can't play it themselves everybody just got it didn't nobody know what to do with it are you getting what I'm saying the truth was so what 
But my truth told me that. And I said, Lord, why is that all things you, you've been good to me, Lord? Why is it out of all the stuff I remember? I remember that. He said, I want you to remember what regret tastes like so that you'll never want to have that experience again. He said, and, and I want you to remember it with this little seemingly insignificant thing so that you won't let it happen for a significant thing. Can I submit to some of you that you are right in the greatest opportunities and right in the thrust of the greatest moments of your life and you do not want to miss them because you will grow older and you will look back and say, why in the world did I, why was I sitting there trying to talk myself out of the good things I know that God had planned for me? And why was I sitting there trying to talk So here we are, Jonah chapter 1. Ain't that something, a drum machine. Breast cancer leaving somebody, not playing a drum machine. I still remember the drum machine. Ain't that just amateur? <laughs> My truth. So here we are, Jonah chapter 1. Here it is. We're going to go to a scaffold. Y'all ready? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, so the word of the Lord came to a mindset from an insignificant place that never saw anybody do anything great, who has now developed his own truth. Now, why do you need to know all of that background, which I just gave you? Because then when you see verse 2, you'll understand why he responds like a dummy. Look at verse 2. The Lord says, arise, Jonah. He, he said, get up from the low place you're at, Jonah. He says, leave the confinements that your own truth has created for you, Jonah. He said, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The God that created the heavens and the earth is now having a conversation with this man who's got his own mindset and has got his own truth who came from a confined place. So he's now just trying to figure out on all the people God could choose, why me? You still here? And although it's not recorded here, Jonah tells us later on in chapter 4 that he protests this request of God in Jonah chapter 4. In fact, in Jonah 4, 1 and 2, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarsus. For I know that you are gracious and merciful, so to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents for doing harm. In other words, Jonah, what he doesn't record in chapter 1, he records later in chapter 2. He protested God's request. I don't know about you, but I, I think there's a few of us in here that know about protesting. In fact, I shouldn't even call it God's request because God doesn't make requests because when you're a boss, you don't ask. You tell. <laughs> I personally know all too well about protesting God's requests. <laughs> Anybody else in here know about protesting? Where you think you're going to tell him what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Not realizing that when he hung on that cross, he paid the price for you. So what you don't understand is you somebody's property. Now watch this. We'll read later that Jonah seemed justified in his protest. But can I say something to you? When God picks you, just shut up. Well, Lord, why me? Well, Lord, why? Shut! God, I want to say it another way. You know what I want to say. Shut! Stop trying to figure out why you and stop trying to figure out this and stop trying to figure out that. When a man of the magnitude of Jesus the Christ says, come here, you don't sit there, me, who, me, who, yes, you fool. You're the only one in the room. Touch your name and say, shut up. Yeah. 
So Jonah responds because he's got his own truth. So he responds from, from, from this, very, this very interesting place. And then we come to verse 3. It says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> now here he is. Check this out, y'all. Jonah's a man of God. He's the prophet of God. He knows God. He has to go deliver messages to others from God. So he had this beautiful amatai, his own truth. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to flee from the presence, check it out, of yod heh wav the Lord personally. <laughs> now, I just need you to get this. How much Drano did Jonah drink after he got the command from God to think that he could get up and flee from, watch this, the presence of the Lord. In case you don't know this, let me just teach you a little bit. God is what we call omnipresent. Omni meaning everywhere, all present. Present. <laughs> he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at the same time. So while he's here at Aurora, he's also in Memphis. And while he's in Memphis, he's also in Dallas. And while he's in Dallas, he's in St. Louis. And while he's in St. Louis, he skipped ahead a few hours because he's also in Sydney, Australia. He, he's everywhere at the same time. So I just want to know how the messenger for God got the bright idea that he could run from God. Now we're looking at it like, that's so right, Bishop. What a dummy. But can I just suggest something to you, though? I ain't preaching to Jonah. I'm preaching to you. You thought to yourself that you could just run from God. I serve and I'm going to do this when I want to. And God said, you must be out of your mind. You think you can run away from me? The Bible says if you make your bed in hell, I'll come down to hell and say, what you doing? It's hot, ain't it? It's hot as hell. I know it is. The verse. But Jonah rose, the verse, to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and went down into it. And he got uh, uh, to go with them to Tarsus to flee from the presence of the Lord. Watch this. Because his mindset was his truth and not the truth, it seemed easier to pay the fare to run than to pay the price of doing what he was told. I'm going to say it again. It seemed easier to pay the fare to run than to pay the price of doing what he's told. Can I say some things to you? The truth is often inconvenient. But it's still the truth. And your denial of it doesn't change it. Okay. Let me give you another truth. Wrong is often easy. Right often requires a fight. Now, can, can, we, can, we, can, I, can I teach you a little bit more here? And we're going to shout in just a moment, but watch this. He, the Bible says he went down to Joppa. Now, the origin of this word Joppa is a little choppy, but its best translation would be the daughter of the God of the wind. Now, check this out. Jonah, because he's a son of his own truth, not the truth. Guess what Jonah does? He goes to Joppa, watch this, because the wind blew him wrong. And one bad day turns into a horrible decision. Check this, check this out. Check this out. Check, 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 check this out. The Bible says he was going to a place. Matter of fact, can I show you? I can show you. I got a map to show you where Jonah was doing. Here, here it is. Watch the map. Look at, look at the map. Look at the map. Look at the map. Look at the map. 
Now, I want you to see this. Joppa's way down there. Where he was supposed to go is Nineveh, which is right up there. This crazy fool went all the way to Spain. Now, do you see the big old spans in between Nineveh, Joppa, and Spain? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? The word Tarsus literally means a faraway place. So Jonah says to himself, I'm going to go to a faraway place. It's where I can escape the presence of God because God ain't at Spain. Some of you laughing. Let me say it this way. Because God won't be at the club. Oh, yeah. You got it right there. Because uh-huh. God ain't going to be in that ex- somebody's house that I know I ain't got no business being at. God ain't going to be there. And you found out that the Lord sat up there right next to you and said, what you doing? The Lord won't be in my depression thoughts. The Lord won't be. He won't be there if I'm licking my wounds, making myself a victim. Because this is a faraway place. He won't be there. Check this out. Now, he was supposed to go to what city? Nineveh. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Now, here's what's so interesting. I think this is so ironic. Uh, Nineveh means house of fish. It was a large and flourishing center, uh, city for several decades. It's ironic that he was supposed to go to a city called the house of fish. And when he refused to, God sent a big old fish. I just think God is the greatest comedian that could ever be. Because he's like, oh, you don't want to go to the house of fish? Well, fine. I'm going to get a big old fish to catch you. Verse 4. You still here? Remember, we're taking a scalpel. We're going layer by layer. But the Lord, check this out, not the devil. The Lord sent out a great wind. Did you see how the Lord's capitalized here? Which means God says, I'm dealing with this personally. And that's why some of you have been praying against it and ain't nothing changed because you've been praying against God. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so much so that the ship was getting ready to be broken up. Now, check this out. The Lord started the storm, y'all. What storm perhaps is your neighbor in that the Lord started because of their dishonor? I told you this is going to be one that's going to get us all. Touch your neighbor and say, it's for me too. Touch them, it's for me too. Uh-huh. What storms are you in because of your rebellion and the storm is his response? Uh-huh. Bishop, what is rebellion? Rebellion is willfully choosing to go against what you know you were told. Okay, all right, it's going to be rough through here. Jonah's story is about God's response to rebellion. And God's response to human rebellion is a valley called Big Fish. But I got good news for you. This is not a story of discouragement because as you'll see in the story, it's a story of forgiveness and it's a story of redemption and it's a story of God giving you not just a second chance, but another one. You know why? Because we used the second one a long time ago. Anybody can be real in the place. God, I was out of my second chance years ago. I'm just thankful that you keep giving me another and another and another. Anybody on your another chance and you're glad that he gave it to you? Here it is. Here it is. Verse 5. But the mariners were afraid. Remember, Jonah gets on this boat, and he pays the fare to run. <laughs> Drano. He runs to go to a faraway place, because God ain't going to be in Spain. Because God didn't feel like no Spanish food that day. 
God wanted some euros. And so God was still in North Africa, which later on was called the Middle East. So he wanted, he wanted some euros. He was in you know, Greek, Greece and all that, you know, all of, you know, Europe. God wasn't there. Look, then the people, check this out, that were on the boat with him got scared. And every man cried out, check this out, to his God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down, and he was fast asleep. Two things I want you to see from verse 5. They threw out all the cargo. When you are in a storm that is God's response to your rebellion, hear me, hear me. You're going to lose belongings. You're going to lose possessions. You're going to lose money. Because you have to throw it out in order to try to survive the storm. I'm just trying to help you. Doesn't anybody say the man's just trying to help us? The man's just trying to help us. Now you can sit up here and fight with this or you can receive this. Either way, it's truth, and your denial of it doesn't change it. And since I'm not preaching to be your favorite fan, or you even be, I, you know, whatever. You still here? Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Not only did they throw out Jonah's stuff, they threw out their stuff. When, oh, God, I'm going to help somebody. It's real dangerous for you to help a Jonah. Because you're going to end up losing just because you tolerated the presence of Jonah. Jonah lost his stuff and these men ain't done nothing wrong. They lost their stuff too. The valley of the big fish normally costs you more than you could ever think that it would. They threw off all the cargo, everything they had, they threw it off saying, well, we're going to survive the storm. They spent everything. They went to see every this. They did every this. They did all of that. And they spent all this stuff trying to survive the storm. You still here? Verse 6, we're taking a scample to it. Touch your neighbor say, it gets better. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? He's talking to Jonah. He says, get up and call to your God. Perhaps your God's going to hear us so we don't die. Hear me. Jonah was so oblivious to the fact that the valley he was in, he started, that he sleep. God, I want to say it a certain way. How in the world? You start the problem, and now I got to finish it. You ever had somebody do that to you? Well, they start a problem with you, and all of a sudden now you're the one left to try to fix the problem. They started, and you're trying to figure out how in the world. Now, you started this. How I got to put up with it? I co-signed for you, and now you ain't paying. Y'all ain't going to say that to me? Forget y'all. That's all right. I'm preaching to the internet because they ain't saying nothing to me. So the man, the captain's like, get up, sleeper. He didn't even realize that he was in a storm that he caused and now those that are around him and attached to him are suffering because of him. He tried to run from God and in his attempt to run from God, now these other men are suffering because of him. Sometimes, sometimes in your attempt to be merciful, you better make sure you're not the cargo man and the captain of the ship where Jonah's trying to catch to get somewhere else. These men were going on their normal trip. But look at your neighbor and say, it gets good though. 
So now they lost everything. They lost money. They lost possessions. They lost all this stuff. And so now guess what happens? Verse 7. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. I like the captain because the captain was like, "Uh uh-uh. One of y'all is responsible for this here. He said, because my ship wasn't rocking until y'all got on it. He said, I ain't had no problems in these here waters, and it ain't the season for Euroclines, hurricanes, and great storms. It ain't the season, typhoons, and all that. He said, it ain't the season for all that right now. He said, so one of y'all jokers is the reason for this. Get them dice. (laughs) It ain't you. Back up. (laughs) It ain't you. Back up. They get to Jonah, and it's Jonah, verse 8. Then they said to him, please tell us. For whose cause is this trouble upon us? Look what they ask him. They say, what's your occupation? And where are you from? And what people are you of? Verse 9. Now notice they asked him a few questions there. Look at the answers he gives them. Verse 9. So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Notice he never gave his occupation. Why? Because he's a son of his truth. So he thinks, well, I'm not going to tell them the truth about what I do. Because then they're really going to look at me crazy and say, so why are you on this boat when you're supposed to be in Nineveh? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Imagine how Jonah felt while they were casting lots since he knew good and well he was the reason for the storm. It's like, well, maybe the lots will mess up one time. Like, well, maybe I won't pull that one. In ancient times, they used this as a method to hear from God. It's the same way that they elected a brand new apostle in Acts chapter 1 to replace Judas who betrayed Jesus. They, They selected Matthias. This was the way that they heard from God because they said God is divinely orchestrating uh, the the lots, if you will. And they said, so then whichever one the lot falls on, well, then that's God's will because that was the way that they heard from God. So in this method, they're saying, well, we're going to find out. And it fell on Jonah. And notice he didn't answer his occupation because he was running from it. Some of you are running from your occupation. Bishop, Bishop, what do you mean? Maybe it's a literal job, but, but, maybe, but maybe it's the occupation you've been given to be the curse breaker. Maybe it's the occupation you've been given to be the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. Maybe it's the occupation you've been given to be the difference maker. Maybe it's the occupation you've been given to be the only one from Gath Hefer to accomplish something great. And you're running from accomplishing great because what you know is average. And while even you hate average, average is what you know. So I stopped by here to tell somebody. You might think you're able to run from God. But you can't hide from him. He'll snatch you right up from the lowest pit. And he'll snatch you right up. Because God says, if you think I'm going to lose on my investment, I gave my life. And if you think I'm going to let your little weave wearing, if you you think I'm going to let your bald headed this, if you think for one minute that I'm going to lose, you must, that's crazy. thought this was a Christian church. Verse 10. Then these men were exceedingly afraid. Are y'all still here? I'm almost through. And they said to him, why have you done this? Check it out. Now these men are sinners. They don't know God. 
They said, they said, we know you fled from the presence of the Lord. Then the Bible says, well, because he told us. <laughs> Look at verse 11. They said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea will be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. God was like, oh, I'll just turn it up. God was like, let's get turned up. God was like, turn it up. Oh, God was like, oh, you going to run? I'll take your car. I'll take your house. I'll take the job. I'll take your food. You're going to be eating ramen noodles. Oh, oh, you ain't going to do what I say? I'll turn it up. Because I'm the G-O-D, man. And when I do what I want to do, I do it. And I don't care if you don't like it. And I don't care if you don't like the way it feels. You're going to give me what I want. And I'm glad that I serve a God. And you ought to be glad that you serve a God. That even when you think you ain't going to give him what he wants. See, I'm going to turn it up until you tell me yes. I'm going to turn it up until you give me what I want. I'm going to turn it up until you give me. So God turns it up. And the Bible says the seeds just start rocking and shaking and rocking and rocking and shaking and shaking and rocking and rocking and shaking and it's just going crazy so the captain the men are like you got to go and I love the question because they're out at sea so there's not very many options it's not like they could have a helicopter come in and helicopter you know fly them out they said so what shall we do that our storm will stop because we're in a storm that we didn't start you did and I'm not going to be paying the price for your stupidity Husbands and fathers and leaders and single mothers and single fathers. and pe- When you're a leader, you better understand that when you choose to be a Jonah, the people that are subject to you also have to suffer. And so if you don't do it for anybody else, fool, do it for the people that are suffering because of you. Look, verse 12. And he said to them, Jonah said to them, Pick me up, throw me in the water, and the seal stop doing all that. For I know that this great storm is because of me. I already said this, God turned it up. Can I, can I ask you a question? How hot does it have to get before you change? Hmm? Hmm. How, how hot does it have to get? How much more you got to lose? Before you'll say, okay, God. No more excuses. What else does he have to take? I know we like to think, well, the Lord, you know, the Lord, because the Lord uses the enemy as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a conduit to get things accomplished. So it's not that the Lord takes it himself per se. He uses and he allows the enemy to do it. But the reality is, is the enemy had to get permission in the first place. So the reality is if God wanted to stop it, he could have stopped it, but he didn't stop it because he wanted you to lose it. So my question is. What else you got to lose? I told you this is going to be one that's going to get us all. Is it getting us all? Good. And don't you sit up here fighting it. Shut your mouth and just take it. I had to take it all week. So you only get one day. I had to take it all week. (laughs) He slapped me on Monday and slapped me on Tuesday. Beat you when I want to. You know. How hot does it have to get before you repent? How hot does it have to get before you apologize? 
Pride always writes checks that are far more elaborate than your bank account can pay. Jonah said, throw me in the water and this will stop. Y'all still here? Then I got a few more verses. Don't you like it? We're taking a scalpel to it. Verse 13, nevertheless, check this out. The men were like, nah, man, we ain't going to do you like that. Nah, we're going to find a way to fight God. We're going to find a way to not do what we know is the only thing we can do. Some of you got financial struggles going on in your life, and you sitting here, well, maybe if I get another job, maybe if I do this. What if you just started tithing? Oh, you ain't got to like me, but you better say amen to me. This is about due time. Well, then evidently you need to put some seed in the ground. God doesn't respond to need. He responds to seed. If he responded to need, there would be no needs. Nevertheless, these men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. They were like, no, Jonah, we're not going to do that. We're just going to fight. We're going to fight. And so they're rowing. All right, you come on, man. (laughs) He's like, I'm tired. (sighs) And they go, and then they get the Zeus dude, you know, because the Zeus dude was on the boat. Then they get the Zeus dude, and Zeus dude on both sides at the same time. He's like... And then God is like, oh, really? <laughs> I love, I, God probably, because I think God's from the south. God, <laughs> God like, ain't a man. Look, look at what they're doing. Michael, look at what they're doing. Why they do that? <laughs> they really think they're going to beat me. They really, th- they really think they're going to beat me. <laughs> so God is like, Turn the storm up then. And the boat just start rocking and shaking. Shaking and rocking. Rocking and shaking. Because the moment you think you can fight God and win is a moment he has to throw his chest out and say, try me. Some of you sitting up in here today, you know good and doggone well you're called to ministry. You know good and doggone well you're called to change lives. And you've been sitting here trying to fight God. God says, well, let me flex my chest a little bit because I'll rock it and shake it. Shake it and rock it. Rock it and shake it until you give me what I want. That's the name say, give him what he wants. Mm-hmm. Notice the devil ain't mentioned nowhere in here. Yo, you didn't hear what I said. This all God. Touch your neighbor and say, this valley? All God. God didn't even send Satan to do it. He stepped out of heaven and did it himself. And you ought to ask yourself, what's so special about me that God would step out of heaven himself to start a storm to get what he wanted? You still here? Verse 14. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life. Wait a minute. You missed it. These men weren't saved. Look what happened. God's like, I'm going to show you something, Jonah. Since you didn't value your relationship with me, I'm going to get Craig Day Day and them saved. Some of y'all don't know who Craig and Day Day are, so let me give you another. (laughs) I'm going to get the people who you ran 
away from me with? I'm going to get them to serve me. And then they're going to be looking crazy at you. God said, I know what buttons to push to make you have to say, hmm, to yourself. Look, verse 14, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. You, O Lord, have done it as it pleased you. So these men all of a sudden are praying to God. Now we know through scripture that uh, the Lord only hears of the unsaved. There's only one prayer he can hear of the unsaved. That's the purpose of intercession. Intercession is to go to God on behalf of people that cannot go. Well, how do we go? We go when we get access. How do we get access? We get access through the cross. We get access through Jesus. So then the only prayer then that the Lord is able to hear of someone that is unsaved is the prayer to be saved. So check out how God interprets this prayer. He interprets it as, Lord, I believe you died for me. He interprets this prayer as a request for salvation. Okay, get the tape. (laughs) Notice, all of a sudden, Jonah's God is their Lord. And I need to say this again. I need to say this again. I need to say this again. When you aid Jonah's in their running, in their rebellion, and in their dishonor, you will become a partaker in their storms. So there's some people you need to say, until you get that right, Ain't nothing for us to talk about. And okay, y'all don't like what I'm saying. Until you fix that, hey, we ain't got nothing to talk about. No, you can't come on. No, we can't talk about. No, don't even page me. I ain't even got one. But if I had one, you can't. No, because until you get that, I ain't gonna be in no storm because of you. You better get that right. Verse 15. So they picked up Jonah. I'm almost through, and threw him in the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Hear me, y'all. I need y'all to hear me, because sometimes we think, Lord, it hurts. Lord, just let it stop because it hurts. Can, can I say something to you? It's for your neighbor because you don't say that, but your neighbor does. God will not stop the storm just because it hurts. He will only stop it when you give him what he wants. Lord, it's so rough. Lord, I lost this. I lost this. Heaven's response is, and... Because what you don't understand is me taking the time to send the storm is me taking the time to show you just how much you're loved. Because the scripture says a father that loves his children chastises them. Which means if God doesn't send the storm, what you've now discovered is that he hates you. And since he doesn't hate you, since he loves you, what you've really discovered is he loves me a whole lot. How far have somebody say he loves you a whole lot, a whole lot. I got to move because I'm running out of time. Look at verse 16. God, I love this. But I just want to make sure you understand it. Just because it hurts doesn't mean he's going to stop it. Your hurt don't move nothing. Your tears. Because I know you think, God, I'm crying. God, God, I'm pouring it out. God, I was at the altar. God, I'm crying. And nothing changed. Heaven is like, your tears moveth no oneeth, but your mama nimeth. And I'm not your mama nimeth. Because your mama nimeth ain't accomplished nothing, no how if. That was for somebody. Touch the neighbor and say, if it hurts, give him what he wants. Because your crying ain't changing his mind. Look at verse 16. I got to move. Flash me how much time I got. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. <laughs> they looked at what God was doing to Jonah and they were like, Shh. That God is God. 
Can I tell you, sometimes God will use the hell you go through to get other people around you to see they God is God. How do you know? Because I don't know how in the world they made it through that. They God is God. And so I'm coming to church and I, whatever that man said, I'm going to do myself because they God is God. Then these men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Look at me, y'all. These men gave God an offering. Come on. These men walked on the boats as Buddhists and Muslims and whatever else. And all of a sudden, midway through the storm, they're like, man, get, uh, get, 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 let me have something here. How much you make last week? I'm going to need 10%. I'm going to need 10%. And then I'm going to need a first fruit and some offering. On the, let me have that. Get, matter of fact, just give me all of that. The Bible says they gave God an offering. And when it says they took vows, the word vow there is the Hebrew word nadar, which means they made a promise that they were going to serve him. Watch this. Because they saw God's judgment with Jonah. But see what you're trying to say. They saw how much that Jonah's God loved him because of the great extent that Jonah's God went through to correct him. Correction from above you, not only from God, but also from leaders in your life, is not for your rejection, but it is for your protection. And Jesus is so powerful that he can take your screw up and get somebody else saved. Verse 17, we're taking a scalpel to it. Now the Lord, he had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Here's the question, Bishop. Why did it last three days and three nights? Well, first, there is a parallel that most theologians believe, the parallel of Jesus being in the belly of the earth in hell for three days and three nights. But here's the reality, though. His pride, his pride wouldn't let him be real. Check this out. Until it got real stinky. Said, Bishop, what do you mean? In this culture, being in dead for three days and three nights. uh, In John 11, we find that Lazarus was dead for three days and approaching three nights. And uh, Jesus said, take me to where he's at. And the women replied to him and said, well, Lord, uh, it's stinky in there. There's already a stench. Because the body begins decomposition a few hours after, uh, uh, after death occurs. And so they're saying, by now, he stinks, Lord. It's real. Watch this. Watch this. The situation is real stinky now. You ever walked in a room that was so stank you had to walk out? Let me translate. I'm in Denver. Stank means you ever walked into a room where the room had just such a profound odor that you just had to... Hmm. Okay, let me get your neighbor. You ever left some water in the sink? On Sunday after dinner, and you decided you weren't going to get to that water until about Thursday. But you put your hand in, and all of a sudden, you got a protective coating on your hand because the water is now a gelatin. Come on, don't do that. Don't, don't, do, don't do your bishop like that. Say it was stanky. Here's what happened. Jonah's pride had him in the belly of a fish until it got really stinky. And three days and three nights signifies that he finally died to himself before he could even repent to God. It could have only lasted 10 minutes. Can I say something to you? You're determining how long the valley of the big fish lasts. It took Jonah three days and three nights to finally say, okay, you were right. I was wrong. I'm going to give you what you want. It only was, it could have took 10 minutes. When he got in the water and was swimming, he couldn't be like, I'm going to give you what you want. (laughs) 
Bishop, how do I end it? One word, repent. Bishop, what does the word repent mean? Repenting is not apologizing. Apologizing is realizing that a wrong was made. Repenting is putting a plan or a procedure or some steps or some ideology in place to say, well, I'm going to move in the right direction. And even if, I, even if I veer off and get veered off, part of the repentance process says, but I've made up my mind to go forward. Even if I make a mistake, rather than soaking in the reality of the guilt of my mistake, I'm going to get right back up, brush my shoulders off, and keep it moving. I wish you'd high-five three people and say, keep it moving, man. Keep, keep it. Stop sitting there. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Shut up. You did. Now brush it off and move. Walk. You got walking to do. You got places to go. You got things to accomplish. I got to move. So Jonah 2, here it is. Then Jonah prayed. So he's at the end of three days, three nights. So he's finally done what to himself? He's died to his own truth. He realizes, here's what Jonah basically says to himself. Here's what he says. He's in the mirror. Jonah's like, I'm a liar. And the truth ain't nowhere in me. Father. <laughs> Can I ask your neighbor something? When you finally going to realize that even your denial of the truth doesn't change the truth from being the truth? When you're going to be honest and say, God, you know what? I say I forgave him, but the truth is, I'm still mad about it. Forget y'all. Let me talk over here. They ain't saying nothing today. Y'all better come on here for a second. When, when you finally going to say, God, I'm still not over that disappointment. Verse Verse 1, chapter 2, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. Notice God said, oh, I don't believe you yet. So I'm not letting you out to fish because I don't trust you yet. He said, you know just what to say to me and you know I like good words. But God said, if you think my name is Anime and you think your name is Ike, you got another thing coming. It's going to take more than good words this let me talk over here. It's going to take more than just some nice words this time. I want some proof. He cried out to the Lord from the belly of the fish, verse 2. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Now, uh, for you cast me into the deep, into the hearts of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. The belly of Sheol literally means, that word there in Hebrew means hell. So Jonah now is literally in hell. You've been in a situation where you said to yourself, God, this is hell. So Jonah was. <laughs> Check this out. Here's the trip, though. The big fish is what saved him. Bishop, what do you mean? His fall would have been far greater had God not sent the fish, because notice he was beginning to drown in the water. So the fish is what saved him. The valley of the big fish that your neighbor may find themselves in, that is a valley where what we have evidence of is that that is a valley that saved them. Touch your neighbor and say, this valley saved me. Because Jonah's fall would have been far greater. See, I think it's a few people, let me check the room and I'm almost through, that say, God, thank you. For the valley of the big fish. I was cussing at it and cursing it and rebuking it. But thank you for the valley of the big fish. Because my fall would have been greater. See, 
Jonah lost some stuff, but, but, but Jonah said, I didn't lose my drive. Yeah. Jonah lost some stuff, but he said, I didn't lose my will to live. You, you can lose some stuff, and you can get some stuff back. Verse 4, we're almost through. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Now, let me just, let me that alone. Verse 6. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, my soul, my mind, my thoughts, my will, emotions, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you in your holy, holy temple. Check this out. Check this out. Here's what that literally means. God said, or Jonah said, rather, when my soul fainted. Say, when my soul faints. When my soul faints. Say it again. Say, when my soul faints. When my soul faints. Say it again. Say, when my soul faints. Check this out. God said, I'm going to let this valley mess up your mind, your will, your thoughts, and your emotions. They're finally going to faint. Because remember, he's the son of his own truth. Not the truth, his own truth. Check this out. The word faint literally means through an act of violence he turned from. God said, Jonah, I knew it was going to take all of that. I wish you would have just let me tell you. But through an act of violence, your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions have changed. Say, thank you for the valley of the big fish. Oh, don't get quiet now. I said, say, thank you for the valley of the big fish. Verse 8, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Check this out. Notice what he says. I will pay what I have vowed. Nadar promised he said i'm gonna do what i agreed to do in other words god okay i had to lose all that stuff i had to get swallowed by a fish you know i wonder what kind of fish it was i I wonder what you know i wonder what kind of fish it was now there's different schools of thought that the fish is just allegorical but i wonder if it was like you know a fish sandwich or something i wonder if it's you know i wonder if it's like that Maybe not a tilapia. So that ain't a big enough fish. Maybe it's one of these fish from the Amazon. Maybe it's one of them. them big old catfish. Gross. You know who it was? I know it was. It was Megalodon. That's who it was. It, it, was, it, was, it was a big fish like that. <laughs> the shark that eats whales. I wonder. Doesn't it That's a big old fish. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what you've been dealing with right there. Put it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's your boat. <laughs> you see how big Megalodon is? Because you're dealing with a God who says, I got all the resources I could possibly want at my disposal. God said, God said, or Jonah said, finally my soul, my mind, my thoughts, my will, my emotions have fainted through an act of violence. I've turned and changed my mind. God, I don't know why you want to use me. I don't know why you choose me. I don't know why you think I'm so good, but I accept it. I don't know why you keep giving me another chance, God. I don't know why you keep loving me, but I accept it. I don't know why you didn't give up on me. I don't know why you just won't let me go and act crazy, but I accept it. Somebody holler, I accept it. But verse 8 and 9, it's interesting because notice, he said, I will pay what I have vowed. I will pay what I have vowed. Check this out. 
When Jonah finally said, I'll do it, the valley's job was over. I need to say it again. When Jonah finally said, I'll do it, the valley's job was over. Okay, but can I ask you something real quick? No, this is between me and you. This is between me and you. Um, Jonah seems to me to be a little ungrateful. Because I have a question. Why didn't God just kill him? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, because God is love. Read your Bible. Before you give me some half-baked answer like that there. New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the apostles. The Bible says li- they lied to the men of God, and God killed them for it. They dropped dead, poop, on the spot. Peter was like, how much you make when you sold your house? A rah. A rah. What is that? Oh, we, we made a little bit of money. Peter was like, literally, they dropped dead. Then the other spouse came in a few minutes later. It was like, hey. He's like, now, how much you sell it for? Oh, this amount dropped dead. That's New Testament. Alexander and Hermanius, there are two people in the New Testament that were uh, uh, sp- uh, spiritual sons to Paul, and they, they, they turned on Paul. So Paul says he delivered him to Satan, which literally means he said, I'll, I'll show you something. I'll quit fooling with you. Paul said, I'll just ask God to not do nothing for you. After that verse, you read nothing else about him in the scripture. They, 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 they gone. Just the neighbor said, they gone. They gone. Yeah, yeah, they gone. They, they gone, they gone, they gone. In the Old Testament, Dathan, uh, Korah, and Abiram, they were, three, they were three men that had risen up against Moses and, and, and the Lord in one moment opens up the earth and consumes tens of thousands of people. And he said, I bet you ain't going to challenge Moses again. And then they did. So the Lord said, well, I got some diseases you can't get cured from. Then I'll say, then I bet you ain't going to say nothing then. The people were wicked. The Lord said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'll flood the whole earth. Go make a boat. Bishop, what are you trying to say? There's a precedence here that God could have just killed him or let him die. Or worse yet, gave him over to himself and said, you figure it out. Romans says that God's highest form of displeasure is saying, okay, do what you want. Bishop, what are you trying to say? The fact that God went through all that trouble to pursue Jonah Maybe Jonah should have got the message that God says, I love you too much. Touch your name and say, he loves you too much. Why didn't he just give up on you? Why didn't he just say, I'm over it. There's biblical precedent where he's done that, where he's like, I'm done. We tried. (laughs) When somebody of the magnitude of God chooses to love you don't ask him why they do just say I receive it when you got people in your life that you've done wrong who still choose to do right by you stop saying well, I don't know why I don't know why shut up and just receive it just your neighbor say shut up please just receive it when God favors you after you did wrong and he still is on your side and he's still moving for your behalf just shut up and take it Verse 10, I'm out of time. Verse 10, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. The Lord said to Megalodon, (laughs) now it wasn't literally Megalodon because Megalodon's a shark. 
And I just, well, it could have been Megalodon. But I figured Megalodon would have ate him. But maybe that was the threat. <laughs> he's like, if you don't give me what I want, he's going to eat you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just being funny. Verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Notice the Lord still capitalized here, which means God says, I'm still personally dealing with this situation. So the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah on the dry land. You want to know where it vomited Jonah at? Put the map up. Because you thought, I'm running from God. I'm running from God. You know where Megalodon threw Jonah up at? Yeah, right over here by Nineveh. Yeah, right over there by where he was supposed to be in the first place. Can I tell you that when you start running, you're going to have to run back and repent. So they somewhere over there. You know, we don't quite know how close they got to Tarshish. We just know that that boat was what? Rocket and shake it and shaking and rocking. And Megalodon <laughs> vomits Jonah way back over there at the house of fish. At the fish house. The Lord is like, come on, boy, let's go to Red Lobsters. Let's get you some red. Let's get you some cheddar bake biscuits and let's get. <laughs> you still here? Are you still here? So the fish threw him up. What was consuming you will say, go. I know that was kind of, but you'll remember it though. Could you imagine if what's currently consuming you just go and throws you up? So chapter three kind of goes like this. Y'all still here? Jonah goes to Nineveh and tells them that the Lord is going to overthrow the city um, and the people repent. So God changes his mind about overthrowing the city. Now, that's powerful because that means that your choice to give God what he wants and our choice to repent changes God's mind. See, I know some of you grew up in church, but the Lord's just going to do what he wants to do. That's not true. That's not true. Because God said, go tell Nineveh, I'm going to overthrow them. I want to utterly deal with them. I want to destroy them. It's going to be some smoke in the city, literally. But they changed. Say they changed. They changed. changed, So God said, well, I'm not going to destroy it now. He said, y'all changed. And he said, I'm not expecting perfection from you. I'm just expecting a commitment to change. And check this out. When they made the commitment to change, God changed his mind. Because God said, I can tell you serious about this thing. Test your neighbor and say, just get serious about it. Get serious about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, as long as you got plan B, you ain't serious about plan A. As long as you got options, you ain't serious about plan A. But when you get to the point in your life to where you say, this has to work. I don't have another plan. It ha- if God don't do it, it can't be done. As long as I got plan A and I'm focused on that, it'll work. I'm almost through. Jonah chapter 4, don't flip there, I'm just going to give you a summation of it. Jonah gets, watch this, angry that the Lord spares the city. And check this out, because you didn't get to see Scandal this week because Thanksgiving. So here it is. In an Olivia Pope kind of twist, after Jonah just makes it through all of that, you know what this sucker says? Lord, just kill me. Now, see, I'm glad I'm not God. Because I would have gave him what he wanted. 
I'd be like, oh, you want to die? <laughs> Boop, there it is. Thought you knew. <laughs> look, 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 look. Look, Jonah says that the Lord should just kill him because he told the Lord up front that he knew the Lord was going to change his mind. I need you to get this. I need you to get this. He asked God to kill him because he said, Lord, I knew you were going to change my mind. Have you ever, I can relate to this part right here because there's some stuff where when I finally said, okay, God, yes, namely the building we're in. The sign on the building. Some of y'all know the story because you've been through KLU. When I finally got vomited on the dry land. <laughs> okay, that's too real for you. I've always done right by the Lord, and I've never, ever challenged the Lord's authority. I know that's what you want to believe, and I'll let you, I'll say it. <laughs> Jonah was like, I told you what was going to happen, God. That's why I didn't want to do it. When the Lord said, son, begin to work and start a church that reaches everybody and anybody and that loves everybody unconditionally, I said, Lord, them church people crazy. I said, and I just can't take none of that right now. And then when some of them started acting crazy, I was like, see? <laughs> and God was like, hush your mouth. Shut your mouth. What you ask for it for? What you... <laughs> you told me you wanted me to use you, so what you ask for it for? Eat that banana. What you... <laughs> Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Uh, just forgive me. I, you know, I had some chillings this week, so I'm a little southern-minded. So... <laughs> You know, and the, can I just tell you just 30 seconds just so you know what it is? So the next time I do it, you'll start laughing because you'll know why it's funny. See, and sometimes when you grow up in different places and different regions, there's certain experiences that happen regardless of the pedigree or the family that you're in. And sometimes when, when you got little babies, sometimes some of the older uh, ladies and men and what have you in the family, you know, they'll get a kid a banana. And, uh, and, and the kid will start eating the banana but not finish the banana. And, but, the, but, the, but the grown folks want you to finish the banana. And, and so you setting the banana on the table. Are you getting it? Okay. You set the banana on the table, walk away and go play your little hopscotch and your little games. And then the grown folk like, you're going to eat the rest of this banana. But they don't say it like that. No, they don't say it like that. They, they look, eat that banana. <laughs> I don't want the banana, Grandma. What you asked for it for? Y'all get it? Y'all get it? Y'all get it? So the next time your son or daughter would say, I don't want no more. Say, what you ask for it for? Eat that. You eat that hamburger. Eat that hamburger. What you ask for it for? Shut your mouth. I don't want no Shut your mouth and eat it. Whatever, okay, they're laughing, and okay, whatever. Can I say something to you because I'm through? Jonah wants to incite the Lord against him again. Jonah says, Lord, just take me out because I knew you were going to save them. That's why I didn't want to go. 
He said, I knew you're merciful. He has this whole dialogue with God. I knew you're merciful. And I knew you're kind. And I knew you were going to do it. I told you this is what was going to happen. And that's what some of you are saying. God, I trusted and I got betrayed. And I told you that was going to happen. I did this and this. And I told you that. Can I say something to you? He asked God to kill him. But I have a question. If he really wanted to die, why didn't he just kill himself? Can I, t- can I tell you something about you? I'm going to help you understand you. Uh-huh, I'm going to help you understand you. Your threat is proof that you don't want to do what you threaten to do. Because if you did, you would have just done it. Stop walking around threatening folks. Shut up. If you wanted to do it, you would have done it. You didn't do it because you didn't. But I'm thinking about quitting. Shut your mouth. No, you ain't. Because if you wanted to, you would have. You're trying to make a threat because what you want is some attention. And I'm going to tell you if the fist wasn't enough. Touch your neighbor and say, quit threatening. Lord, I might just give up this week. No, you ain't. You wouldn't have said nothing then. I know I am. Lord, I might not serve you no more. Shut your mouth. Making your threat. What you think is this. <laughs> so you know what? He threatened the Lord. So you know what the Lord did? He sent some more drama. Jonah throws the timber tantrum. Lord, I might just do this. So the Lord sends some more drama. <laughs> and the Lord was like, Jonah, can I tell you? Can I tell you? Y'all tell me how much time I got. Jonah, Jonah went outside the city, called himself throwing a temper tantrum. He's like, I ain't even going in the city. He goes outside. He makes a tent outside of the city, you know? And he sits outside and he sets up a little shade, a little umbrella, you know, like he in Miami or something. <laughs> or he's at the reservoir during June, you know? Okay. So he set up a little tent. He's like, I ain't even going in the city. So the Bible says God started sending wind and God blew his little umbrella away. And then he tried to put a plant there and then the Lord sent a worm to destroy the plant. God like, I ain't letting nothing you do work. Going to get an attitude with me. Went through all that trouble to send a fish. Fool. Megalodon was scheduled to be somewhere else. I took him from, from SeaWorld to come see about you. But check this out, because here's what the valley of the big fish is all about. It's in verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Because the Lord killed the plant. And Jonah said, it is right for me to be angry about you letting my plant die, even to the point to where I die. So he think God is like, oh, you, who are you talking to? You must be talking to Michael. Or Gabriel, one of them. One of them. <laughs> Look at verse 10. But the Lord said, you had pity on this plant for which I made. You didn't make it grow. You didn't labor for it. And when it, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Look at verse 11. And should I not have pity on Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who they can't even tell their right hand from their left. He said, they crazy. And you know they crazy. And you mad because I didn't kill them, but you mad about a plant? And then you know what happens? Go to black on the screen. Can you go to black? Because I want to make a point. Can you? Nope. Okay, cool. Go to me. I didn't play in that, so that's not their fault. You know what happens? The story just ends. It's over. The Lord says... Really? 
I didn't save you from all of that. And you got the nerve. There it is. The story just ends. It just goes to black. It's like your satellite provider just decided that on the only day where you can't call them to get customer service because it's a holiday, that's the day where the satellite ain't going to work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Be like, and y'all know I can't call you. The story just ends. Here's my question. What did God do to him? What was the end of his life? Because we see him recorded in 2 Kings for some prophecies that he gave. Here's the final lesson about the valley of the big fish. You ready? The valley of the big fish was to teach Jonah compassion for other people. You real high on your spiritual high horse. Your neighbor is. You, 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 you humble, but that neighbor of yours. Because now you've been living right for seven months. I've tithed four times. I've forgiven four out of the 1,700 people I need to forgive. Oh, blessed be Jesus. You real high. You on Facebook telling people, you're in sin. You need to come out. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologists recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin from makeup remover wipes to hydro boost water gel facial moisturizer. BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd. Only at BJ's.